Instituto. Comes up to the pocket. Fires the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the rest stop. It's January 12th on a Tuesday, 2021. We got an excellent show for you tonight with all kinds of topics involving sports, involving the world and politics. And uh, make sure you tune in. And if you miss any part of the live podcast, make sure you check out and download just the audio version on any of your podcast platforms, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audio Boom, Search Landry, Football Conference Call, and the rest stop will be underneath there. Joining me as always, Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. Uh, we're going to have a special guest tonight, Chris Wynn, and we're going to dive in to some stuff going al- around along the United States politically and in this country. Uh, we're going to talk some sports if Chris Wynn is down. We've got tons, tons of sports to talk about. NFL playoffs in full effect, but the news continues to trickle down outside of playoff football, whether it's the Eagles firing Doug Peterson, whether it's Deshaun Watson wanting out of Houston, NBA news galore as James Harden with a soundbite of the year in NBA that just went down after the Houston Rockets got blasted for the second time in a row by the Lakers. We just got a great show for tonight, so make sure you stay tuned with us on the rest stop. We come to you every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time, and you can go to www.twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball or download the Twitch app and support us there. Like, subscribe, and check us out. Uh, Without further ado, I'm going to bring them right in. You can follow him on Twitter at Christian Wynn. You can find him locally in Las Vegas on the Vegas Take on AM720. He also does some other sports stuff around town, has done some stuff with ESPN locally radio in the past. Good friend, Chris Wynn. Uh, if he's there, I, I think we just lost him, so we may, may take a second to bring him in. While we're waiting on Chris Wynn, Spence, jump on in here. Uh, and here, here he is. Let's bring him in. Chris Wynn, joining the rest stop. See Wynn, thanks for jumping on, my man. See when can you hear us? Uh, we'll, you got it. We'll come back to see when we'll talk to him. And can you hear me, Spence? I mean, what's going I, on? I got Do we have technical <laughs> difficulties? I, I got you. You sound good. He probably all right. Is. We'll talk, talk to see when in the private chat. See where he's at here because I don't think he heard us when we jumped <laughs> on there. Uh, look, here's what I want to get on, get into first. And see when can you hear us over here? All right, I got you now. You're you're, you're right. chopping up a lot, bro. It was weird. I had- I can see you fine, but the audio is all messed up. But we're all good. All right, now. Well, we'll try to get the audio fixed. But see, no, we're good I now. To... I can hear you. Uh, we're good. Okay, I want to start. I want to start it off strong. Before I go in, I've got to preface it with this. See, when it's not breaking news that Brad the Believer is not well versed in politics. Uh, I don't watch. <laughs> I don't watch the the news. Uh, I voted for Joe Jorgensen because I wanted the protest against the two uh, main yep. candidates. Um, and see, when so I'm going to give you a little rant. I want you to hear my rant, and then I want you to respond to it. Um, okay. Because of course, the most recent news going around town is the. Uh, I guess. The, the first word that comes to my mind is the invasion of the Capitol building in the United States uh, last week. Um, some damage was done. Uh, I didn't even know about it until I started going on social media. But I, I'm going to give kind of a long-winded political rant about what I see, what I experience, and what I think the majority of Americans are feeling. Uh, because, Chris, the majority of Americans are like me. They, they don't know a ton about politics, they maybe know what was taught to them or what they see mm. on some of the mainstream media outlets. Uh, for me personally, I've looked at what's happened during this pandemic, and I know that not only myself, but thousands upon thousands of Americans that have children to feed, uh, that need assistance, that do not have full time jobs to go back to, 
that they desperately needed help from some of the stimulus because a lot of this was out of our control. So when the politicians in the Senate could not agree on getting a stimulus, a second stimulus out quick enough, and then it was talked about 2000 gone to 600 I thought in my mind, and I said it on this show, I've said it personally, I can't believe more people have not showed up at some of these senators' houses, have not approached them in person and put the fear of God into them because this is not anything to mess around with. And I'm not necessarily blaming anyone in particularly, but for them as a whole to go back and forth on a bunch of BS to me is completely unacceptable. So in my opinion, Chris, if I looked at what happened last week and I took the name Donald Trump out of the equation and I said a bunch of people without any type of garb or gear or affiliation showed up, and they, they threatened senators and politicians and said, we cannot feed our family because you guys can't agree on a stimulus. And they caused ruckus. I promise you, not only me, but a lot of people I know and a lot of people in this world would not be showing up the next day saying justice for Nancy Pelosi, justice for Mitch McConnell, if they got hurt in this, this protest. So what I'm saying is that in my lifetime, in my parents' lifetime, Spencer the Wiz, your lifetime, for the most part, I don't care who the mask is, I don't care who the face is that represents the country of the United States, not a whole lot has changed. The foundational structure to me is a rigged game. What I mean by that, Chris, is you could put a different face in there, but I still have to go punch a time clock. So does Spencer the Wiz, so do you, so do a lot yeah. of people. They have to punch a time clock, they have to create their own business, create their own wealth or know somebody in order to make ends meet. The rent does not go down. The wages barely go up. People, the middle class is getting left out. It has been for generations. The American dream for the most part hasn't changed. The faces change. Some of the technology changes, but from a political standpoint, as far as has anything in all any of our lifetimes changed to the fact where we live life differently for the most part that we've lived over 30, 40 years. You could talk about the details of injustice, of imbalance. You could talk about it racially if you want. I don't think it's racial. I think it's a big power play and I think it's BS. And I, I know people are outraged about uh, this whole political storming, but taking it from my perspective, how I described it, if it was people fighting for stimulus and they were threatening senators because they can't agree, Mitch McConnell, whoever, I don't care who it is. I know people would not be wearing justice for Mitch shirts or justice for anybody. And I know tons of people, the vitriol for Trump, for Biden. If one of those guys ended up six feet under or one of those politicians, I promise you uh, there would be discord, but there'd be a damn hell. A lot of people not wearing justice for Donnie's shirts. So see when I know I hit you with a lot there, uh, but, but respond to what I'm saying here. I mean, I, I, I hate to be uh, so far off the rails of insensitivity, um, but I think what I'm stating is facts for a lot of Americans like myself. Well, first off, let me say, I mean, yeah, that was a, that was a very passionate and very enlightening uh, statement you just made there. And it brings to light what a lot of people in America are feeling right now, right? Is that a lot of people are hurting out there, Brad and, and, and Spence. That's the fact of the matter. A lot of people are hurting, and we all understand the reason for that. The reason is the pandemic, okay? The pandemic coming to our shores, okay, from a, from a foreign country that was inept in the way that they handled it, and the reason, and and now we are we across the globe are suffering because of what has transpired over the past twelve months regarding this pandemic. Now I have to separate that and what you just basically most of what you just talked about for that last five minutes there, apart from what happened on Wednesday. Because Brad and Spence, to be quite honest with you, what happened on Wednesday is a completely separate situation that was brought about by a lie that has been perpetrated over the course of about two months now, a little bit over two months since the election. And that lie is that there was widespread voter fraud in the election. And I mean, you guys, I don't know how much you if you listen to the show that I go on every once in a while with the Vegas takeover at, at KDWN, but obviously there's a lot of politics in the show. We talk sports, but there's a lot of politics involved. And that is what sparked what transpired on Wednesday with the siege on the Capitol. It was a lie that was perpetrated. And then on Wednesday morning, the president of the United States, along with some people that are aligned with the president of the United States, got a bunch of the supporters down there fired up and 
that what what is normally just a just a meaningless procedural thing that takes place as far as certifying the election among Congress, right? It's a day that look, there have been elections, you know, you know, throughout throughout decades here in America. None of us before this year, nobody knew what day we certified the election. Nobody knew about that day. Nobody cared. There was never big protests on that day. The only reason anybody even knows about it is because of the president was so butthurt because he lost the election that he just fired up everybody, all the supporters, and said, well, we got screwed. We got, you know, the election was stolen from us. And, you know, and everybody, you all should believe that crap. And so what happened is ends up on Wednesday, you have, you know, a bunch of people fired up, they go to his rally, and then they go, they walk down the street to the Capitol, and then all hell breaks loose. And five individuals end up losing their lives, three because of medical emergencies, one because she was shot trying to enter the Capitol, which is a felony, which is illegal. Okay, and so she ends up getting shot by a Capitol police officer and then a police officer, a Capitol police officer loses their life inside the Capitol because it was under siege in an insurrection from people who are supporters of the president. Now, look, I don't want to go into this huge political diatribe. But that's as simple as it gets as far as why that took place. And it has nothing to do, quite honest, with Brad, Brad it has nothing to do with, the, with our suffering here in Vegas, myself. You know, I look, my, I've been on, on, uh, laid off from my regular job uh, for the last 12 months, okay? And, you know, it's, it's, it's been something where I've lost thousands of dollars over the last 12. Like, they're, all of us, in one way or another, have had been negatively impacted by what's transpired because of the pandemic. And what went down on Wednesday didn't really have anything to do with that. What happened on Wednesday was because a certain amount of people in this country believed that the election was stolen. And so, therefore, they were fed up. It wasn't, Brad, you, you talked about the politicians, how they failed us and how you look, you know, and you got, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. You know, people have made mistakes on both sides when it comes to policy, right, when it comes to the economy and it comes to, you know, immigration whether, across the board, foreign, foreign policy, all this stuff. Yes, politicians have failed and on both sides of the aisle without question. But that's not what what was what it was all about on Wednesday. That's not it wasn't about that at all. It was about an insurrection by a small number of people. And granted, look, all Trump supporters are not horrible people. OK, all Trump supporters are not people who aren't. There's a lot of Trump supporters that are honest, God fearing Republicans who are conservatives, who care about their communities, who are you know, veterans like myself, who serve their country, you know, who, who fought for their country and and uh, and and are very good people. But unfortunately, on Wednesday, we saw the ugly side of things. Right. We saw people who aren't you know, they weren't concerned about our Democratic Republic. They weren't concerned about the police officers there. They weren't concerned about the lawmakers there who, you know, after the details we found over, out over the past three to four days, there were people that were actually going there to either kidnap or in some way harm lawmakers there in Washington, D.C. So, you know, to kind of wrap this up in a bow, that's what it was about on Wednesday. It wasn't about, you know, the, the struggles that we're going through as Americans right now because of the pandemic. And it wasn't about how, you know, there are systems in Washington, D.C., right, with politicians that are failing or that are not, you know, not exactly taking our best interest into hand. It was about an insurrection is what that was on Wednesday. And we're seeing the fallout from right now, brother. We're seeing I mean, Spence and Brad. We're seeing it with the fact that it, it, the, the, it appears the president of the United States is going to get impeached tomorrow. And there is growing support in the Senate side of things where there will be a it looks like they're going to convict him in the Senate. And, you know, practically matters from a practical standpoint. It doesn't really mean much, given that Trump's leaving anyway in about 10 days uh, out of the office. But from history standpoint, uh, it, it's going to make a huge difference because it's going to he's going to be the first president ever impeached twice. And it, it, it and I, I think there's a very good chance that he's going to get convicted in the Senate as well, too. And uh, and also there are ramifications with all these other people that are involved around him that could face serious criminal charges and that the uh, both the FBI could be looking into, as well as the Department of Justice, where there could be some other people whose heads will roll also. That's Chris Wynn joining us here on the rest stop. Follow him on Twitter at Christian Wynn. 
And what we're talking about right now is uh, some of the angst going on politically in this country from last Wednesday's Capitol storming and, and the possible impeachment of President Trump, what that means for the average American listening to the show and out there in the country. Chris, if I were to say to you for what you just said there, uh, it, it's as simple as we we as a country and as people are so divided and the division yeah. amongst everything that was just stated from your end, from my end, it, this is the crux of what's going on here. And, and we should be united as people in some capacity. And it's like, it doesn't seem like it's a feasible option to be united, given the, the such division on both sides. Well, it's tough because, you know, the division, there can be, you can, there can be blame spread around. But, you know, the problem is, is that there is somebody who is the commander in chief of this country who is relishing in that division. You know, he's someone who, and look, people want to say, well, you're just a, a, a guy who's on the left that just wants to blast Trump, you know, or you're just a guy that's a Democrat that just wants to hammer all Republicans. No, I'm just, a, you know, an American, okay, that happens to be kind of viewing this. Let's let's put our cards on the table, Brad Spence. Let's put our cards on the table, okay? There's a, there's a certain amount of us here in America that are living in the real world. Okay, that are looking at things from a practical and logical standpoint. And then there is a small amount of people in this world. And by small, I mean what seems to be around 60 to 70 million. Okay, out of the 340 million in the country that are not living in reality, that are that are living in that are dealing with alternative facts. And it's something that has gone on now for a number uh, for the past three to four to five years. And. It's a situation where you, you try to be, I try to be rational. I just try to look at things and say, look, I want to give, you know, President Trump the benefit of the doubt. I want people that support President Trump. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But then, you know, things just continue to happen and continue to happen. And and the president takes no responsibility when bad things start happening. Brad, we're talking about the pandemic, right? We're talking about the pandemic. This is a president who continues to say, I have zero responsibility for it. I have no responsibility whatsoever. And, and, and blames this person, this person, and this organ, and this country, and that country. And look, China deserves a ton of blame. Absolutely. China deserves most of the blame. But when it comes to, it's, it's one thing that the pandemic, how it got here. It's another thing how we've been dealing with the pandemic since we got here. And we talk a lot about it on our show about uh, from a sports angle, Brad. Right. And we can get into the sports angle about, you know, COVID-19 and how we've been dealing with in sports. And I went toe to toe with uh, another host over at Fox Sports Radio uh, on the weekends, Tommy Barton, who, you know, is 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 a big Trump supporter. OK, which I'm not. And so we ended up, you know, it was a sports show. but We ended up going back and forth hard about whether or not we should be playing college football. Back, and this was back in this is back in October when we had this this debate. OK, on the air. And whether or not we should be playing uh, NBA basketball, whether or not we should be playing NFL football. And this is back when things started to really heat up with a pandemic, you know, and started getting into the winter months where things were getting, you know, uh, where where the numbers started spiking. And despite the fact that there was so much social distancing and so much, you know, uh, so many precautions, safety precautions being taken, yet there was still a rise in cases. Right. And there's still a rise in deaths across the country. And and it. It was just so frustrating seeing how we here in the United States of America handled COVID-19. And especially from a sports standpoint where, you know, some some states do whatever they want. The other states do whatever they want. And there's no cohesiveness. Right. It's everybody for themselves. You got one conference starting play back in September. You got another conference that's playing that doesn't start playing until, you know, early November. And and, you know, but. Meantime, there's still cases rising across the country. You still have, you know, scenes where there's, you know, groups of people gathering together with no masks, you know, throw caution to the wind. And, uh, you know, but hey, we still need to have our sports, right? We still need to have our sports. And uh, again, it was like, it was like, what are we doing here, people? You know, we need to have some type of national plan. We need to have a national plan, you know, that is, that is cohesive uh, across the board where we can say, all right, well, not only are we taking steps to fight the pandemic, 
but we're also able to play sports safely, right? We're able to go out there and not have, you know, week to week having one college football team that can't even play a game because they have, you know, they have 15 guys that test positive for COVID. And then you got another conference where you don't really have any issues at all and you can just keep playing. Chris, Chris, let me jump in here. Uh, I want to ask you, I want to ask you a question uh, for, for people that are asking, okay, Trump, let's say he finishes out his presidency and it's turned over the 20th or what have you. Yeah. In my mind, and I think a lot of people's minds, uh, out of sight, out of mind, they don't care about that. They want to know, are they going to be able to feed their families? Are they going to have jobs to go back to? Are they going to be able to send their kids to school? But I have a feeling that this conversation about uh, former President Trump, when that happens, is not going to die. Are we going to be able to move on as a country and focus on what we all need to do moving forward to make this a better country and to get a sense of normalcy back once uh, the vaccine is prevalent to the American people? What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Once he's out of office uh, and what have you, are we going to start to focus more on that? What does your gut tell you about that? Or is it going to continue to be uh, bickering back and forth about stuff that in the grand scheme of things, uh, a lot of people, Chris, they want to know, can we get our kids back in school? Can I have a job to go back to? What does my life and my family's life look like under this new presidency? Well, Brad, here's the deal. I'm very optimistic, okay? And yes, I think absolutely we're going to end up getting back to normal. That's, of course, my, my opinion on that is based on the timeline of what we are dealing with right now, right? And we have a rollout of vaccines. And it's not just going to be two or three. They'll be end up being like five or six vaccines. And so, therefore, you're going to see a lot of confidence, I think, being built in the American public regarding what we can get out and about again and, and start getting life back to normal. Um, I don't necessarily think it's just, it's, it's just going to be our decision when that date is, when we we're able to get back to normal, right, or able to start gradually. It's going to be based on the pandemic. It's going to be based on people that, unlike you and I and Spence, that who have a higher pay grade, who are public health officials, right, who are experts in this type of area. Uh, so in a roundabout way, I'm just basically saying that, you know, yeah, I, I very much believe that that, that day is coming sooner than later, that we're going to get back to normal and that we're going to end up seeing full stadiums again. I mean, it's just, just Brad, Spence, think about this. We haven't yet seen any fans really, except a few, you know, straggling fans for UNLV football games. We haven't seen Allegiant Stadium filled yet. We have, you know, it's, it's been a year since we've seen stadiums being filled. It's been a year since we've had music venues where live music has been able to be played, where you can go and actually watch a concert or see, you know, or see a performance where, where I mean, entertainment here in Las Vegas. I work on the Las Vegas Strip. My regular job, obviously, I work at a restaurant bar in the uh, Palazzo on the Las Vegas Strip. Okay, so I have a, I have a front door uh, view of everything that's transpiring as far as the Las Vegas Strip is concerned regarding this pandemic, whether it's from my job perspective, whether it's from, you know, uh, just a Las Vegas environment perspective. And it's jacked up, man. There's no, there's nothing, the Strip is not the Strip right now. It's garbage. It's, you know, you you can go to the Strip if you want to whack back a couple cocktails with some plexiglass in between you and, and play a machine or maybe, you know, toss, toss some dice and play some craps and maybe play a little blackjack, but it's not the strip right now. It's not, it's not even close to what it, what, what the Las Vegas strip should be. And that's all over the city and all over the state, by the way, for that matter, obviously. Yeah, see, see wait, it, it's going to be tough, tough. Yeah. To get, it's going to be a it's long time. Same. It's not even close to it. So like, and we've been dealing with this for, for 12 months. I said this the other day on the, I said this on the air. We are going to be studying the psychological impact that this has had on Americans uh, for decades. Yeah. Because this is, has been ridiculous what we've all had to deal with from just a social perspective. Obviously, you mentioned the economics of it, right? There are families out there that, that are struggling. There are families out there that are worried about paying their rent. They're worried about going to the grocery store and, and, and not having their car, their card rejected. You know, I mean, there are real problems out there. And- Big time, Chris. Brad, we're at the mercy of this virus. Yeah, Chris. Look here, here here locally, it's it's a trickle down effect, man. I mean, not not only do parents have to be uh, providers uh, financially in their workplaces, but they've got to be childcare uh, facilitators as well. 
And uh, there's so many businesses, small business owners, large business owners that are going under that can't survive this. We're losing yeah. uh, travel and tourism convention business here in town travel. Um, it's such a trickle down effect uh, that, it, like you said, it could be a decade or more before we see things going back to normal financial uh, institutions, uh, learning institutions, educational institutions that can't uh, have classes normal and that they can't. Uh, there, it just there. It's just such a trickle down effect. It's hard to really put into uh, this short a span a show to go down the entire list. And it's yeah. not just Las Vegas; it's the entire country. And and you, I think you hit it on the head when you said it's going to take decades to understand the psychological impact, the complete yeah. economical impact. But but those go, kind of go hand in hand. Because, well, let me make a quick point. But Brad, yeah. quickly though, let me make a quick point about that. There seems to be this feeling around the country that it's politically motivated on either side, right? And, and it shouldn't be. This shouldn't be about politics. It's affecting people around the country, and especially here in Las Vegas and the state of Nevada, on a personal level, regardless of your politics. And I see people all the time just hammering Sisolak, saying, oh, my God, the guy doesn't care. He's destroying our state. All these lockdowns and you know, all these governors around the country locking things down. They don't want to lock down the country. They're doing it because public health experts and because people around the country that that know anything about a pandemic believe that it's the right thing to do from a health standpoint, as well as look, the, the view is that, hey, we can't have the economy heal unless people feel that they're safe and can move around. People aren't going to come to Vegas. OK, unless they think that they're safe here. You know, if you, there's this there's this idea that, oh, yeah, you open up you open up Vegas. Right. And all the people start just piling into Vegas and want to want to come here. No, they won't because they won't feel safe if we are just willy nilly about the safety precautions. So I just want to point that out. Like there's like this whole idea that politics is involved as far as people's political ideologies and whether or not that that should play into how we deal with a pandemic and why we are having lockdowns, I think is completely ridiculous. Chris, we're going to wrap up this political talk because there's so much sports to talk about here. Um, yeah. I think this is one of those situations, just like the whole pandemic, we've got to kind of monitor one day at a time. Uh, the message that I want to kind of put out there is, is I think there's a handful, if not more, hundreds of thousands of people out there. And I know a handful that maybe listen to this show uh, that have a strong opinion or maybe don't. Uh, but the thing that we can impact the most, Chris, is not who and who's not uh, walking around uh, calling the shots politically, but we can really make change first within our household. Secondly, within our community, at our workplace, at our bank, at our grocery store, we've really got to unite to have each other's back, regardless of your political affiliation. And I know a couple guys on the chat there and a couple, a few guys we know personally are great people and yeah. that really care about one another. And it's really important to do things within your community and within your household to see that change first. Uh, because what none of us that I know of uh, are, are ready to take office tomorrow and have the type of impact that is going to change policy at this point forward. So with that being said, I'm hoping that we can all do our part within our own households, within our churches, within our communities, within our uh, workplaces, uh, and, and try to help each other out the best we can and communicate and, and, and see what we can do uh, to help one another here in the community. It's so tough right now, uh, but there are still good people out there and there are people that care about one another. And if we could focus on that as opposed to uh, the things that get us riled up emotionally, I think we could start to move in the direction since the, the vaccine seems to be uh, coming sooner than later. We're all hoping that we have a day before the end of 2021 where masks aren't the norm and where people can go back to a sense uh, of normalcy and be on each other's side as opposed to everything being someone getting pitted against someone else, whether it's politically, racially, economically motivated. It does not matter. Gender. Uh, we all are fighting for the same race and it's the human race. We all bleed blood. And I'm hoping that we can kind of get that focus back a little bit in some form or fashion. But Chris, the American people and the people of this planet, they need something to be excited about. And that just has not taken place here over the last 12 to 14 months. And we're hoping that that changes soon. Yeah, well, like I told you, and you made some great points there. I'm a glass half full kind of guy, Brad. You know, and I, I, I like you, I am, am excited that I think we are going to have 
arenas that are back full again this year in this calendar year. I do think that we're going to have, you know, Allegiant Stadium packed to the hilt for a Monday night tilt coming up in September. Right. I do. I myself am looking forward to getting out to uh, see the aviators play up in Summerlin and see some baseball. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped for it. And uh, you know, it, but it can be distressing at times. I mean, look, I, I, I go to cover the UNLV basketball game today. No fans, right. There's, there's a few scattered media in there. It's just weird, man. You know, I mean, you're just going, you're going into arena. There's nobody there. You got cardboard cutouts, you got fake crowd noise coming out of the, out of the speakers and, you know, it's just it's 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 like a graveyard at times when you go to sporting events. And uh, so it's it's it, it can be disheartening at times to see kind of the atmosphere that we're in in America right now from a sports standpoint. Um, but as as I pointed out, I'm a positive guy and I you know, I've been a sports guy since I can remember, you know, and so I like every time the seasons come around, anytime, you know, there, there's an opportunity to uh to go to a live event or watch a live event, I get excited. And, and I'm sure there, there are millions of Americans around the country that are the same way. You are the same way, I'm sure. And uh, even though I don't necessarily agree with some of the procedures that we've gone through here in the past five, six months, when it comes to the NFL season, as far as the, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the college football season, college basketball, those things, because you see all these kind of cancellations and stuff and you see people, that are testing positive for the virus. And we're seeing, you know, situations where you're having three, 4,000 people a day dying, you know, because of COVID-19. Um, I'm also, you know, I, I feel good that there is sports out there where people can get away from the, you know, the everyday depression that can set in and you can get a chance to see your favorite team play. And we got to see a college football season that came to a, you know, conclusion where we got a national champion and we were able to, you know, and we were, call, we were able to call it a legitimate one. You know, I mean, it wasn't like, uh, look, there were some bumps along the road as far as, you know, the, uh, certain teams playing not very many games, but still getting into the playoff. And uh, but we I, I think we all did see the best team in college football win a national championship. I think we all did see the best team in the Los Angeles Lakers win an NBA championship. I thought we did see the best team in the Tampa Bay Lightning win a Stanley Cup. And now we're going into another phrase, Brad, as you put, as you, as you brought up, where, where these sports are starting to come back around again, but they're not coming back around in the way that they did back when the pandemic was in full force uh, back last year, where there were. Chris, uh, I agree. I agree with you a hundred percent on what you're saying. Uh, and I appreciate you joining. Stick around for a little bit. Uh, if you can, if not, um, you know, we'll catch up on you on the flip side. I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking uh, some of the, the politics and some of the, the, the kind of the energy that's going around here in Las Vegas and in the country. Um, I, I wish we had more time to to get into all of it uh, because there's just so much to talk about. Spence, jump on here for a second uh, because and follow Chris Wynn at Christian Wynn on Twitter. Uh, I want to get into to some hot sports news as we what's going on tonight. Spence, and if we could play the clip of James Harden after tonight's defeat to the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, they were down by 25 plus points most of the game. They ended up, I believe, losing by 17, their second straight loss. Spence, this is what James Harden had to say after the loss to the Lakers tonight. He was aggressive. Veteran team, obviously, a championship team, and you know, one of the best teams that we have in this league. You know, I love this city. I literally, you know done everything that I can, um, you know, I mean, this situation is, is, is crazy. You know, it's something that uh, I don't think can be fixed. So, um, yeah, thanks. Spence, that's James Harden talking about uh, pretty much his public declaration that he wants out of Houston, uh, throwing his teammates under the bus, throwing the organization under the bus. It's beyond repair at this point because you're going to take the floor with this guy. They already suck. Okay, they got their ass kicked two times in a row by a Lakers team that is the champion, uh, but they don't really have much to play for this early in the season. They're kind of going through the motions, having a good time, and they are blasting the doors 
off of the Houston Rockets. And James Harden is saying, we're not good enough. We're not talented enough. Saying the new coach, he didn't say it verbatim, pretty much telling the new coach, Steven Silas, we've got nothing here. That is such a slap in the face to Christian Wood, who's trying to be the most improved player in the NBA. John Wall, former All-Star, coming off a serious injury, who's giving it his all. DeMarcus Cousins, coming off multiple injuries, a former All-Star. Eric Gordon, one of the best six men of the year. For James Harden to sit there and say, we don't have any chemistry and we don't have talent. I'm not buying what he's saying. They do have talent on that team. They don't play any freaking defense, and it starts with James Harden. So if you want to talk about guys that aren't getting it done, it starts with him, Spence. You're a big NBA guy. What the hell is going on here? I clearly was on the wrong side thinking that, okay, maybe they put this behind them. James Harden is going to come out and play this season and try to get as many wins as possible and have Houston get in the playoffs and maybe make some noise because any team James Harden's a part of, there's no reason they can't compete. What he said tonight was such a slap in the face to the other players and his teammates on that team, and I'm not buying it. There are some teams that don't have as much talent as others, but we're talking NBA players, Spence. Okay, I know that there's some better than others, but all of these guys are talented. Eric Gordon has almost been a decade in this league getting buckets left and right, playing defense. P.J. Tucker plays his ass off on defense every night. Christian Wood is telling everyone, I plan on being the most improved player, and he's gone out and shown it in the beginning of the season. Are they ready to be on LeBron and AD's level? No, but I'm still not convinced that the Lakers' other pieces are all-star level right away. What What is he talking about, James Harden? And it does not constitute getting blown out by 20-plus points by the same opponent two straight games. I'm blown away by this tonight, Spence. Yeah, well, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the James Harden situation. And basically, in my mind, he cemented himself as untradeable because when you go and have a 5-for-16 game, I think a few turnovers, he is leading the league in assists, so... He is technically producing, but when you have no energy, when you have no life with it, they're empty stats. I mean, we've seen Russell Westbrook do that for the past three years now, or you can even go back further than that. A guy who cares about his numbers, and that's it. And it's sad because it looks like you have an entire team ready to turn uh, a new leaf. Now, DeMarcus Cousins stinks like I thought he did, so he's not having a resurgence. But if you go down the rest of the roster, these are a bunch of guys who like playing for the Houston organ, uh, Houston Rockets organization. They want to be successful. None of them had the expectations of being a playoff team this year, I don't think. Uh, but they they want to go out there and play hard, especially with the new coach who's trying to make a name for himself. And when you see James Harden come out extremely out of shape, there's a picture that came out today, man. He's looking like me on the basketball court, which is not a good thing. And you see him put all the blame on his teammates when he's just playing extremely inefficient. He's about as lazy as you could ever be on defense. So when you see a guy, you know, if you're struggling, that's one thing teams go through struggles all the time and that can be frustrating. But when you're leading the charge and saying that it's nothing to do with me, when it clearly does, how can you ever justify taking on a super max contract, which is a waste in the first place, in my opinion. And a guy who also declined having a four year, hundred million dollar extension, overly generous for someone like him for doesn't, really care about the game of basketball, which another guy who will talk about uh, is very similar to that. But again, I think in his mind, he thinks he's the Jimmy Butler of the Rockets and that he's the guy who wants to win and it's everyone else around him. But we saw that with Carl Anthony Towns with Andrew Wiggins. They didn't have that next gear. But for him, he thinks he's just like that. He thinks he's trying to be the one pushing the Rockets when everyone can see very clearly that he's just, I don't want to say the uh, bad word again, but a very out of shape guy who isn't looking to win basketball games. He's looking out for himself primarily, and it's just sad. And I don't know if they're going to do, because I said, I don't think a deal is going to get done by the beginning of the season, and it didn't. And he's only making it worse. Now, can you salvage a trade now while you still have a chance? I don't think so, because you're going to get even worse value. The longer you hold on to him, is it going to get worse? I suppose, but again, they're not in a rush because they had no championship aspirations this season and, they, and they're and they not going to now even after this trade. They had them or they didn't have them. They were never going to get close to a conference finals or, you know, God forbid, a finals as well. So they're just going to sit on them. It's going to keep marinating on the season. I think eventually they'll tell them just to stay home. That's what they ended up doing in the Jimmy Butler situation. That's probably the only way you can salvage his value now is by forcing him not to play basketball games. Spencer the Wiz, I do not get this from professional athletes. I hear it so often. 
You know, I don't give a crap if you're James Harden, if you're Taylor Heineke, if you're a professional athlete, every time you step on the football field or the basketball court, you expect to win. Did we not see less than two weeks ago the New York Knicks beat the Milwaukee Bucks as a 13-14 point underdog? On any given night, any team can win. Now, in a seven-game series, is it possible? It's less likely, but we've seen what we've seen one seeds get a win or two on eight seeds. You're a professional athlete. This game is so mental. It's it's ridiculous to J for James Harden as one of the most talented offensive players to ever lace up basketball shoes to sit there and pretty much quit and say we're not good enough. You're not good enough. You, you're not good enough because you're mentally weak, just like Kyrie Irving, just like a, a bunch of other prima donna, fame whore professional athletes that don't give a rat's ass about winning or the game. So many people do not care about winning. You know who cares about winning? Tom Brady. That's why he's 43 years old and he continues to win and people continue to count him out. And, and that's why he's the GOAT because he – Go look at his 40 time. Go look at his combine. He, I mean, it's the biggest joke you've ever seen. And this guy's the greatest football player to ever play. There's basketball players left and right. There's guys on rosters that had no opportunity to do anything. And what do they do? They continue to win games. They find ways to make rosters. They find ways to get in games that weren't drafted. It's left and right. Taylor Heineke almost brought the Washington football team to a victory this past week. He's been on practice squads for almost – six years and he played the greatest game on the biggest stage this is a pathetic excuse in any nba basketball player that will say that they're a joke and i don't want them in my franchise i want winners people that don't make excuses and you know who i give a lot of credit for not making excuses about anything this is going to be sound crazy to you but lavar ball i want you to listen to Lamelo and and to Lonzo Ball and the Ball Brothers when they talk, they never make excuses. They never make excuses. They just go out and play, and they want to win. Are they the most talented shooters right now? No, but I freaking believe Lavar Ball when he says, "Get my boys on the same team, and we'll win." I believe that guy. I freaking believe that guy because he is not going to make excuses. And I want people on my team that do not make excuses that go out there and they play their ass off every single night. I don't care who it's against. Look, I can find weaknesses in everybody's game that steps foot onto a basketball court or, or football field. And if you can't psychologically find out a way to exploit other people's weaknesses, then that's something with inside you. Spence, you know the game. Am I, am I lying to you here? I mean, look, LeBron James is not a great free throw shooter. You can get in his head. Is he the greatest? Yes, but are the Lakers unbeatable? No. Clearly, the fragility of the Los Angeles Clippers showed itself last year. They were arguably the most talented team in the NBA, and they, they mentally fell apart. Lou Williams is in strip clubs. Paul George doesn't believe in himself. Kawhi Leonard doesn't know what to do with these pieces. Doc Rivers is out. I mean, come on. It's the mentally strong that survive, and LeBron James has made Anthony Davis tougher. He's elevated the play of his teammates and Rajon Rondo mentally tough. And, and that's part of the reason why the Lakers did what they did. This And I'm sorry to go long-winded here, but uh, another mentally tough son of a bitch, Monty Williams, the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, former uh, uh, Olympian basketball coach. He lost his wife in a car accident. Former NBA player. This guy is as mentally tough as can be. The Suns have not played great the last two games, but they're going to be in the conversation at the end, and they're going to give people problems in the playoffs because I'm telling you they're going to make the playoffs, like I said at the beginning. But Spence... From James Harden to say this, for Kyrie Irving to all of a sudden go missing, as I've talked about for months, his weakness and his mental inaptitude, this guy is such a joke, and, and he clearly does not want to be a professional basketball player. Clearly, this guy wants to do something else, and he and if he doesn't want to utilize that talent to be a champion because he's 1-1 with LeBron, that's fine. But now you're hurting your teammates, and you're hurting your brand, which he makes tons of money off of. You're letting down your coaching staff, new coach in this organization. It, it's a joke. And look, I don't care what's going on with Kyrie personally. You've got to be able to separate your professional life from what your personal thoughts are. That's what all of us have to do. We can't bring our personal dramas into the workplace. And that's what he's doing. And now it's affecting everybody else around him. Yeah. And I think all of this comes to the love for the game the respect for the the game and basically what you do. I think JJ Watt probably said it best during uh, after their week 17 loss at the end of the season, basically apologizing to Deshaun Watson for wasting a year of his career when you know very well that he felt he had a wasted uh, year of his career. But 
he kind of it was about team and about he said it's the greatest game we have to play uh throw a ball around for a living and he's absolutely right you and i would love to play basketball every single day for a living we would cherish it and Kyrie, the only reason Kyrie Irving is relevant is because of the game of basketball. The reason he's able to give all this money to charity, to do all these things for social causes is because of the game of basketball. And your teammates are depending on you. And a lot of people see him as a leader on the court, not just within the game, but in the locker room because they look up to him because he is he does present himself as a leading guy for all these social causes. I mean, he was known as the disruptor going into the bubble. He ends up looking right. But if you're not there for these guys day in and day out, who and the Nets are struggling right now. Now, they had a big win today, but still, overall, they lose multiple games to the Memphis Grizzlies, which they had no business doing because he wasn't there. They lost two close games, and I, you can't tell me otherwise. If he was playing, it would be different. The Grizzlies without three of their starters. And... Also, people look up to him, like kids and stuff like that. So when you see somebody say they're out for personal reasons, which may be valid, I don't know. But first of all, you have to communicate that to your rookie head coach, Steve Nash, who is already disrespected by saying that we don't have a head coach. But beyond that, you look at this and people say, wow, I want to get behind what he's doing because we think he's doing it right. But when you go out and the video surfaces of him at his sister's birthday, his third her 30th birthday party, people are not following protocols, obviously a gathering much larger than you would ever be allowed in New Jersey right now. When you see it with your own eyes, it's disappointing. And also, I mean, the NBA took a lot of flack during the bubble situation for their political stances. And they said, no one cares what a millionaire has to say. I mean, it goes down the lineage of whether the I mean, I think they should have personal platforms, but that's, that's just me. But when you see a guy who presents himself as a leader also violating these rules this is a guy who's going to have to face carl anthony towns at some point this season whose mother died from COVID 19 and essentially when you see a video like this it's a it's a spit in the face to him saying i don't think COVID 19 relates to me uh sorry for your loss but i don't care about it i mean that's what i see this guy is the vice president of the players association i can't think of a worse look i mean he's got to be stripped of that title i think immediately if there's going to be any sort of respect, because all NBA players have lost respect after pausing the season and going back into it. Their reputation is completely tarnished. Their viewership is going down the drain. Now you could say that's for a bunch of reasons, but this has to be part of it. That's big time stuff right there from Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. And also, Spencer is delivering sports. That's live on KSHP 1400 every Friday night at 7 o'clock Pacific time. Make sure you follow Spencer's YouTube page as well, Blue Milk Boys Gaming. Spencer's got his hands in a lot of uh, cookie jars right now, and he does some great stuff here locally in Las Vegas. And you can see his Bullet Club shirt right there, uh, which is a fantastic job by Spencer the Wiz. Spence. Uh, we're, we've only got about 13 or 14 minutes left. So I want to hit some football. Let's talk about last night, the national title game, Alabama does it again. Uh, and they looked very impressive doing it. Devonte Smith set all kinds of records, the Heisman trophy winner in the first half, over 200 yards receiving Mac Jones, uh, was cool and collected in the pocket. There's a lot of debate on what his draft value is at this point. Uh, Justin Fields, who is expected to be the second quarterback taken off the board in the 2021 draft, the quarterback for Ohio State, uh, didn't have his best game, but there was a, a very big possibility that he had broken ribs. It definitely was not 100%. Ohio State throughout the week, the conversation about COVID-19 test positive. They were out a kicker. They were out defensive players. Uh, if they would have had everybody full strength, I don't know if it still would have been enough for them to win the game because Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide, are uh, they're battle-tested. They are one of the most disciplined group uh, of, of people as, as a uh, sports team that you'll see across the board. And that's where I give them their first amount of kudos because Nick Saban and his coaching staff has found a way to get these players to buy in about a true chemistry and love for one another, whether they're not willing to put themselves at risk because that would put their teammates at risk. And they've done one heck of a job in finding a way to complete the schedule, to win every single game, and then have the performance that they did last night. Uh, Spence, let's start off with Devonta Smith. I mean, the guy just looked like a boy amongst men. This guy, to me, has risen his draft stock uh, through the roof. I mean, he looks almost unstoppable out there. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't play the second half because he had a finger injury, but they cannot stay with him. I give him credit. Steve Sarkeesian dialed up everything masterfully. Uh, 
I believe it was Jones that stood out to you. Uh, I'm sorry, Smith. Devonta Smith has stood out to you, Spence. Talk a little bit about what you loved about last night's game and some of the players involved. Yeah, well, I mean, we just talked about two guys, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, who have no love for their game and are just naturally talented. I mean, that's just going to happen sometimes where you're just born that way and the game just comes to you. And I think Devontae Smith may also be in that category. But this is someone who cares about the game of football. He's not going around dancing on logos or whatever the new trend is in football. And I also think it's okay to be a little stylistic in football. I mean, it is a game. So I think dancing is fine, but he's not about that. He's all about business. You know, you go in all week, the Ohio State cornerback saying they want him, they want him. He heard that. And instead of, you know, gashing back at them on Twitter, this guy goes out and just pants them basically for the most part. He went after every single person on the Ohio State defense that you could possibly imagine. He ran all sorts of route. And the first touchdowns, the in and out, the trickery, the what the next one's a large touchdown, the next one's a medium touchdown. They used him all over the field. And uh, I mean, defensively, they did short things up. I mean, that was the big thing Saban talked about going into halftime and also looked like it was going to be potentially one of the greatest national championship games of all time, but they just couldn't keep up. And I mean, that it is one of the greatest offenses, I think, in college football history. Uh, But to Mac Jones comments, you got to be better than at least the team last year. And if you go down the stat lineage of everybody on on LSU, how many first round picks they had and just what Joe Burrow did with that offense. I mean, it's uncomparable, but still to have a three guys, basically in the Heisman trophy hunt all on the same team in the same year is very rare. I mean, I don't think Najee is going to go in the first round because the value of the running back just doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and I don't think Mac Jones is going to be in that conversation either, but Devonte Smith obviously will headline the top five picks and uh, they'll just continue going on. I mean, they are an absolute machine and every year they are the team to beat. Yes, yeah, Spence, uh, the defensive tackle, Bearmore, he'll go in the first round, I believe. Uh, Leatherwood, the offensive tackle, will go early. Uh, I don't know if he'll go in the first round, but he'll go in the top three rounds. They Look, I think the conversation's fun. I, I tend to agree with you. I think that LSU team, uh, for me in my lifetime at least, and probably for a lot of people, stands on top of that mountain as the best college football team we've seen with our eyes. But I, I got to give this Alabama football team all kinds of credit because they beat every SEC team that they went against. They were extremely impressive in the playoffs. And there wasn't a lot of talk uh, about them doing a lot of things to get them off the field that was related to them making uh, disciplined mistakes. We know Nick Saban came down with COVID once or twice, whatever that was. And I don't know how that happened but they still found a way to win every game and win every game impressively. And Nick Saban, his seventh championship, deserves all kinds of credit. Uh, Let's quickly talk about Mac Jones's value moving forward. We're in a day and age in the NFL where you've got to be able to extend plays with your legs to be a quarterback that's going to be a franchise guy for the most part. I mean, there's a couple outliers. Uh, He's not the quickest guy ever, but he impressed me with some of the throws he made with men in his face. I thought the pass, even though it was a screen pass to Najee Harris on the touchdown, was incredible. Uh, The way that he was able to get that in his catch radius was fantastic. Mac Jones uh, impressed me, and I think uh, he's got a lot of confidence. I think that's really important. I think with the right fit, this guy can be successful, but this is a tough league. We've seen Carson Wentz, who was a perennial MVP, struggle mightily uh, since since that year. So talk about Mac Jones real quick, Spence. Is he somebody that that you'd be willing to take a flyer on in the first round if you're, say, uh, a Pittsburgh or Indianapolis? Yeah, I don't know about the first round, but he did make some impressive deep throws. His accuracy is not the problem. It's, you know, he's just not mobile. I think he's the modern day, not the modern day version, but I think he is a, a young, uh, I can't think of his name now, Matt Ryan for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. That's who his game to me is most comparable to. Is there a place for that in the NFL? I really do. I mean, we saw a very successful Colts team with Phillip Rivers who could not move, and they had a chance to win that game against the Bills. I think that's probably the best landing spot for him. Whether or not the Bills are interested in taking him early, I don't know, or the, the Colts are taking him early, I'm not sure. But I can't think of a better fit as of right now because they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to get Justin Fields and maybe the other kid from BYU. So if there is a third name on that list that they're going to go for, I think it's going to be him. Uh, well, let's talk about some of the other news in, in the NFL. We we talked about Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans. Uh, Twitter has come out. Andre Johnson, former star receiver. Deshaun Watson possibly wants out of that organization. Uh, the Houston Texans have a lot of egg on their face. C-Win, do you want to jump in on this conversation? I see, I see you over there. 
Uh, do you have do you do you have a hot I didn't take? Know you guys were, yeah, I didn't know you guys just keep going to the top of the hour, but uh, yeah, the Deshaun Watson thing is interesting though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, Brad, you're I don't want to cut you off because you're going to go into your uh, opinion on it, right? Uh, talking about the Deshaun Watson. No, let's, go ahead. Yeah, I think that uh, it, there there, are, there there's probably going to be what eight to ten teams that are going to be looking to uh, get his services because there are there's there are squads out there that feel he could be the difference that he could be a guy that could take them to, you know, a high playoff level, possibly a Super Bowl level. So um, obviously you, you guys know I'm a Lions fan. I would love it if Detroit would decide to make that move, given there is a strong possibility they may be moving on from Matthew Stafford. So uh, I would love to uh, have the opportunity to get him in Detroit. If, for example, in the draft, we aren't able to get a Zach Wilson out of BYU or someone in that realm. You guys were talking about Matt Jones earlier. I, I agree with, with Spence. I, I have big questions as to whether or not he's going to be a, an impactful quarterback in the NFL. I just think, uh, look, he's got the arm, no question about it. But I, I just think that it's a situation where he could have some real injury issues once he gets in the NFL because of his lack of mobility. So, uh, But Deshaun Watson, it's intriguing to say the least to see uh, some of the possibilities out there and some of the teams that he could go to and make a real difference towards helping them make a deep playoff run and possibly a Super Bowl run. See, Wayne, before you sign off, I got to ask you a Detroit Lions question. Before I do that, uh, look, if you miss any part of the rest stop, make sure you check out the podcast at LandryFootball.com or go to any of the podcast versions, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, Audio Boom, Google Podcasts, or Landry Football Conference called the Rest Stop. And we'll, we come to you every Tuesday and Thursday live, 9 o'clock Pacific time. And we're not going to be able to get to the playoff breakdown tonight and the recap. But on Thursday, make sure you tune in. It's going to be heavy NFL show as we go into the divisional round of the playoffs. Spencer the Wiz at Spencer the Wiz. Brad the Believer. Chris Wynn with us. Follow him on Twitter at Christian Wynn. Chris, I want to ask you this question about your Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. Uh, because radio personality Pat McAfee, former Indianapolis yeah. coach, huge Matt Stafford fan. Yeah. I tend to agree with him. I love Matthew Stafford. Being a, a former Vikings fan in the NFC North, I watch this guy play at least two times a year. He's one of the toughest guys to ever play the position, and he's very talented. Uh, so as a Lions fan, do you feel like it, that it's Matthew Stafford is the problem, or do you want Matthew Stafford to move on because it's best for him personally in his career? I don't think there's any question, believer, that he is not the problem. And I think that he is uh, a guy who, when it's all said and done, his career's over, he's going to be borderline Hall of Fame material because I think he's going to end up being top 10 in all the stats that matter, whether it's, you know, touchdown passes, passing yards, uh, QBR. He's going to be up there. Um, I do think, though, look, as, as someone who's trying to step away and look at this from a football standpoint, it might be best for him to go somewhere else because I don't think my team realistically has a shot in the next in, in his window of the rest of his career. I don't think we're going to win the Super Bowl in the next four to five years here. I think we have an opportunity maybe later on down the road, but I would like to see him go to a team like the Los Angeles Rams, you know, a team like that, uh, maybe the, the New England Patriots. Uh, it's, I, I'd like to see him go to a team where he has an opportunity to win, to win a title. And uh, it's much like the situation with Justin Verlander when he was with the Tigers. You know, uh, obviously we were a team that weren't, you know, we were on the back end of our window to win, to win a World Series. And I wanted to, as a guy who was, you know, obviously Justin Verlander is a, was a fixture in Detroit and was an MVP and Cy Young winner, but you wanted him to go somewhere to win a title. So for me, I'd rather see him go somewhere and maybe we get a young quarterback that can, that can step in. And uh, I mean, I love Zach Wilson, BYU. I love him. And so uh, maybe go down that road. And I, I just think that it may, it'd be uh, addition, uh, addition by addition for both teams if both the Lions and the team that got Matthew Stafford, because like you, and like like the person you said, like the, the person you said before, I'm a huge Stafford fan. Love him. Don't think at all he's been the reason why they haven't been successful his entire career in Detroit since 2009. But I just think that it would be better for both parties if he ended up moving on. That's Chris Wynn joining us. Chris, man, I appreciate you taking some time out tonight on Tuesday to join us here on the podcast, man. I look forward to having you on again. Have a great night, and I appreciate you a lot, my man. Spence, jump on here to the last minute as we finish up here. We really didn't – there was so much to talk about, man. We're going to definitely fit it in on Thursday. There's so much NFL to talk about, so much more NBA. We didn't get in, into – 
even half the stuff that we want to discuss. So I want to thank uh, Bravo. I want to thank Al Bass and everybody that jumped in on the chat, everyone that listened for a little bit tonight. I want to appreciate everyone for doing that. Make sure you tune in Thursday. We're going to give you our picks for the divisional round. Spencer, the Wiz had a pretty good pick segment in the wild card weekend. We were spot on on some. We'll talk about my Steelers' disdain. So there's some of them that uh, you definitely want to bag my opinions, but there's a few that you want to dump too. So we'll get honest about all of that as well. I've had some great opinions, but uh, Russell Wilson definitely wasn't one of them this past week. So we'll definitely have an NFL heavy show on Thursday. I want to appreciate everyone for listening. Check out the podcast, download the Twitch app. For Spencer the Wiz, I'm Brad the Believer. Have a great Tuesday, everyone. We'll be back here on Thursday for the rest stop. Signing off. Have a great night, everyone.